Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association. Today we are joined by Nick Robinson, Portfolio Manager with the Emerging Markets Equity Team for Aberdeen. Aberdeen manages a family of 11 U.S. closed-end funds, including Aberdeen Emerging Markets Equity Income Fund, ticker AEF. Nick, we are happy to have you with us today. Well, thanks very much. It's a great pleasure to uh, get the opportunity to speak to you today. Nick, Aberdeen is an active manager with a bottom-up approach that is focused on fundamentals. Can you discuss the investment strategy for emerging market equities and how that applies to AEF? Yeah, sure. It'd be a pleasure. So the investment strategy we have is essentially focused on picking quality companies within emerging markets and then holding them for the long term. When we think about quality companies, we're really thinking about Kind of three different aspects of businesses. So you know, those businesses which have good management teams and strong governance, which is particularly important in emerging markets where you're often not protected by legal frameworks. We also like companies which are in industries, which are growing, where there's a good tailwind of potential growth behind the company. You know, that's always quite helpful as, as a long-term investor. And then also we're, we're looking for companies with pretty straightforward financials, you know, we're very happy for, to invest in companies with you know, lazy, so, or so-called lazy balance sheets where they might have net cash position. So, so it's really finding companies that, that really fit into that, that quality aspect and then holding them over the long term and trying to be fairly diversified through emerging markets. So you're trying to be relatively diversified in terms of both countries and sectors and have you know, most of the risk in the portfolio come from the stocks themselves rather than big benchmark positions against countries, for instance. What is the advantage of this type of approach as you seek out opportunities in less developed countries? Well, I think, you know, going back to the the quality aspect of investing, I think that's quite important in emerging markets in that, you know, emerging markets tend to be a bit more volatile, be it due to the economic cycle or the political cycle which can lead to quite large changes in the investment environment. So by choosing quality companies, which you know, don't have too much links with, with politics or have strong balance sheets, but equip them to survive the cycle, then that's fairly critical given the high intensity or magnitude of those cycles. And then also, as I, as I alluded to, you know, governance is a pretty key issue in emerging markets and that most companies it tends to be controlled by families or individuals or single entities, whereas in more developed markets like the US, the shareholder base tends to be a bit more diffuse. So that means combining that with the weaker legal regulations and frameworks within emerging markets, which may not work when you need them to, you know, having investing alongside those entities where you feel comfortable being a minority investor is fairly key. So I think that's really important in terms of having the the active approach towards emerging markets. Nick, the U.S. Federal Reserve aggressively raised interest rates for much of 2022, and other developed markets followed. Globally, inflation has been high and economic growth has slowed. We also have significant geopolitical tensions that have added to volatility. How have these global challenges impacted emerging market economies as well as their equity markets? Yeah, well, it's it's a good question. It's been pretty challenging couple of years for emerging markets. Emerging markets really were quite early to sell off relative to developed markets really occurring right at the end of 2020 when markets started weakening. So it's been a pretty tough time for emerging markets. Of course, what happens when 
if the Fed starts raising rates is that emerging market countries generally have to do the same in that if they don't, then they tend to get a lot of quite aggressive capital flight from their countries, which it can cause all sorts of fiscal issues. I think what's been quite good this cycle is that emerging market countries were generally quite early to start raising rates, you know, much before the, the Federal Reserve did. So I think that put them in quite a good position last year not to suffer those capital withdrawals that we've seen in prior cycles, certainly not to the same magnitude that we've seen before. So coming forward to today, you know, things are in a better position, but we are beginning to see you know, signs that we may get some easing from central banks and emerging markets going forward, which would be you know, beneficial to, to growth. But certainly, you're right to point out, it's been a pretty tough couple of years for EM. Do you expect these issues to have longer term impacts on these economies? No, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's part of the cycle, really. I mean, it's been a pretty brutal cycle in terms of the, the magnitude of the rate hikes coming out of the US. But yeah, I don't think this has really impacted the long term outlook for EM. And certainly relative to other cycles we've seen, I don't think you know, it's been a particularly bad one from the context of emerging markets countries. Are you seeing shifts in the global supply chain? And if so, what countries do you expect to benefit from these shifts? Are there particular industries that are or will drive these changes? Yeah, we, I mean, we are seeing quite big shifts in, in the global supply chain, really as a result of you know, both the pandemic, where the kind of just-in-time supply chains that the world had become very accustomed to started to fail, and then also you know, trade tensions and you know, the, you know, the trend towards deglobalization has, has also impacted supply chains. You know, the idea that actually you know, there's, there's, it's not ideal to have your, your manufacturing located you know, many thousand miles away from your end markets when you know, there could be all sorts of problems in terms of getting those products to, to the end markets and, and also the some political tensions we've seen as well, which, are, which made that more challenging. So yeah, we are seeing we are seeing a rejigging in, in supply chains, particularly the tech sector, big semiconductor manufacturing companies, which historically have been set up in relatively low cost jurisdictions, are now moving their manufacturing elsewhere. So yeah, we've seen a lot of announcements of manufacturing moving to the US from Asia. That comes with a higher cost, but against that, you don't have such high risk in terms of that, that supply chain by moving it closer to a market. So we're seeing a fair bit of that in terms of which countries benefit. Well, you know, manufacturing is moving out of China generally. So that's benefiting from some of the surrounding Asian countries, particularly Vietnam, which has done well out of that. And then, of course, Mexico as well has been has seen quite a big boost to their economy from you know, manufacturing moving there in order to be closer to the, the end market of the U.S., so, yeah, there's certainly a trend that's ongoing, and, and that certainly has thrown up some investment opportunities. Nick, you lived in Brazil for several years. They have some significant political changes with the results of the recent presidential election. How do you see this impacting the business environment in Brazil, as well as opportunities for leading companies in that market? Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, there's, there always seems to be a lot of opportunity in Brazil, but it's only relatively infrequently that that turns into to actual real growth for companies. And I think, you know, this election has been a fairly tough one for Brazil in that, you know, there had been quite a lot of optimism about President Lula as, as we went into the election. And certainly, 
you know, it looked like he was going to be more centrist in terms of his, his governing immediately prior to the election. But then more recently, it appears that he's reverted to the kind of Lula of old, the, the type of Lula that was pulling strings back in, in 2012 when President Dilma was in office. And that's not been great for, for markets in, in Brazil. I mean, it's essentially meant less fiscal discipline, which is something that Brazil you know, desperately needs in order to control rates and, and inflation. So I think, you know, things, are, things have been a bit tougher in Brazil, but that doesn't mean there's not some good opportunities there. You know, those companies that are good at passing through inflation, which has many in Brazil, you know, should continue to do well. And of course, with Lula's tendency to spend and you know, put more money in the pockets of, of citizens, it should be pretty good for domestic consumption. So there's a lot of domestic consumption companies which are very good that you can buy in Brazil, which we think should benefit from, from this environment. Emerging markets are often referred to as almost a single entity, but countries and regions can have very different economic scenarios and market dynamics. Are you finding equity valuations across emerging markets to generally be at attractive levels, or does it vary between countries and industries? Yeah, I mean, you do often get quite big divergences in in valuations between countries, specifically within emerging markets, depending on which markets are seen as as being particularly hot and and, and which have gone out of favour. And and those tend to move in, in cycles to some extent, although, you know, I'd say there are some countries which are always pretty cheap because they're seen as being quite risky to invest in places like Turkey, for instance. But yeah, broadly speaking, valuations are are very attractive at the moment in emerging markets, particularly relative to developed markets. Where are you seeing the best opportunities as we are at the beginning of 2023? So I think the the really interesting thing that's going on in emerging markets at the moment, and it's probably been going on for only two or three months, so it's still relatively early days, has been the opening up of China. So you'll recall that China had a very aggressive zero COVID policy that was very suddenly and and quite unexpectedly relaxed at the end of last year. And thus the economy is now opening up. Consumers are basically out and about spending more. Malls and supermarkets and cinemas are all all filling up. So I think that's essentially giving an awful lot of opportunities for investment in that you now have a scenario where earnings expectations for Chinese corporates are now heading up quite quickly at the same time that other economies are either slowing down, not quite in recession yet, but certainly earnings estimates elsewhere are are falling somewhat. So so certainly the opportunity today, I think, in China is is quite exciting, particularly given how that market has sold off an awful lot over the last couple of years and valuations have become very reasonable. How is the AEF portfolio currently positioned? Yeah, so AEF is currently positioned really to benefit from that China reopening that I highlighted. So the the portfolio has a decent exposure towards China and Hong Kong. And then the portfolio is also positioned really just to benefit from the growing middle class within emerging markets and the spending power that they have. So a lot of consumption stocks within the mix. And then we've also positioned the portfolio to really take advantage of some of the big kind of longer term trends that we see in emerging markets. So that's things like renewables. So the kind of move towards the zero carbon transition. So 
investing in those companies which, for instance, make solar panels or are in companies which provide raw materials to be in, in that supply chain. So, and that's an area where I think is, is particularly exciting for emerging markets, given some countries' dominance within that supply chain for, for renewables. Nick, how do you see this emerging market equity strategy best positioned in an investor's diversified portfolio? Well, I think emerging markets are coming into quite an interesting phase, really, at the moment. I think, you know, a lot of investors have have not paid much attention to emerging markets over the last few years, given the performance of developed markets, particularly the US, and the strength of the dollar as well. It's meant that, you know, know, as those uh, trends have been ongoing, emerging markets have Kind of been overlooked to a certain extent given their poor performance but i would say that yeah that is changing now in that inflation seems to be rolling over you know rates are being increased at a slower pace and with china reopening there's quite a strong earnings argument within emerging markets so yeah i think we are in a period where the outlook for emerging markets relative to developed markets is is changing so i would you know hope that investors are thinking at least of, of looking at emerging markets again as a good place to diversify equity allocations. Nick, thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts with us today. You're welcome. It's been, it's been fun. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website at www.cefa.com. This material is not and is not intended as investment advice, an indication of trading intent or holdings, or the prediction of investment performance. All fund-specific information is the latest publicly available information. All other information is current as of the date of this presentation. All opinions and forward-looking statements are subject to change at any time. Aberdeen Incorporated disclaims any responsibility to update such views and or information. This information is deemed to be from reliable sources. However, Aberdeen does not warrant its completeness or accuracy. This presentation is not intended to and does not constitute an offer or solicitation to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security, product, investment advice or service, nor shall any security, product, investment advice or service be offered or sold in any jurisdiction in which Aberdeen is not licensed to conduct business and or an offer, solicitation, purchase or sale would be unavailable or unlawful.